Today on Stick to Football, you are guaranteed to be upset when this show is over because Connor and I are ranking all 32 NFL front offices. That's the whole show today, basically, because this is going to take some time. It's a project we have been working on behind the scenes for about a month, looking at these front offices, ranking them. Connor, it's just me and you, buddy. Mello is laid up in the hospital due to the spider bite that we made fun of a couple shows ago. So it's just us rocking and rolling today on some front office talk. Oh, God. Yeah, now I feel bad. We had a lot of fun with that on the Monday <laughs> show. And it's like, oh, he's on his way to the hospital because that thing is not getting any better. So uh, prayers up for Mello. Can't wait to have him back on the show. And hopefully that spider bite at some point goes away pretty soon. Matt has not or Mello have not shown me it yet. And as disgusting as it seems, I have this curiosity factor of what that could possibly look like. So I, because, you know, I, I trained to be a paramedic when I was younger and I worked in a hospital and, and in the medical field for a long time. It's like my whole family treats me like a doctor, which is kind of cool, you know, but uh, when he showed me it Sunday night, I was like, dude, you got to go to the, you got to go to the hospital. Like you have to, it's bad. It's getting worse. Uh, he has made me swear. I won't take pictures, which is weird. Like okay. it's on his side. It's not in like a, it's not in an inappropriate area or anything, you know, it's like his groin is rotting away. It's just on his side, but it is gnarly, dude. Uh, last night that I was at his, in his hospital room, the doctor walked in and he lifted his gown up and he was like, oh, it's like, that's impressive. Like it's, it's a big swollen area. It's uh, I'm sure as soon as Melo can get back on the show, he'll have a lot of things to say about it because it's really gross just to be honest, just to be transparent here. And what else is, uh, also impressive is this massive list you and I have created. We each have our own list. Like you said on the top of the show today, we are going to rank every single front office. And that's not just ranking GMs or just ranking franchises. It really comes down to the entire staff, the entire scouting staff. Obviously, the GM will have a lot of factoring into it. We'll talk about previous draft classes across the board, recent moves, all of that. It's interesting doing this exercise, Matt, that I found it's a little tough to rank the unproven units. Like the Texans right now are kind of in no man's land. Right. The Jets just made a pretty late swap at the top of their front office at GM, but we're still going to have a lot of fun with it. I think there's going to be some surprises. I think some fan bases that don't often get to hear their team praise enough will come away really excited. And as always, there will be some very upset people. Yeah, there will be. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that because at first it was like, uh, you brought up the idea. Should we do this in tears? You know, of like these are the newcomers and these are the, the unknowns. You know, but it's, yeah, yeah. It's like now nah, let's just rank them and piss people off. Be and what I tried to do, uh, to be completely transparent, is I tried to rank them based on not just who the GM is, but who the scouts are, who the directors are. If the head coach has a lot of influence with the front office, I tried to factor that in, and to also use the. You know, I've been doing this job for nine years to try to use the the years of connections and conversations of who is actually good at their job, because I think it's sometimes hard for us outside the NFL, even though we cover it, you know, rabidly to say that guy's a good scout or that guy's a good director because all the decisions get placed on the GM. So like Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas, I thought was the best possible GM candidate for the jets. They made a good hire. He brings in a good staff, but like we're basing our opinion on Joe Douglas on what, people have told us like, cause he hasn't really made any decisions yet, you know, but everyone you talk to Howie Roseman, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, other unnamed friends around the league 
all vouch for Joe Douglas. So he almost gets a little bit of a boost because people that we trust have a trust in him, if that makes sense. Without a doubt, you always are going to form those kind of circles of trust across sources in the NFL. And it's interesting when you hear the backstories of who vouched for what players or who went to bat for this guy or who didn't want to be aggressive, who couldn't make a decision. So it's really, it's kind of taking an inside look. We've done a ton of research on this and there has been a lot of movement as always. Some guys that were regarded as really good scouts or directors getting promotions or moving across to a new franchise to get that promotion when there are uh, external opportunities across the board. So I mean, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. It's going to be really interesting because there's been a shift over recent years, too. And I don't want to give anything away, but it's interesting. We talk about the same front offices since this show started. It's amazing that this show has been around long enough now where we've even seen some people that were regarded as titans in the industry start to look vulnerable at times and people that were considered questionable hires at the time have broken out and shown that they're cut out for the job. Yeah, it is. And as I was making my notes, it's like, you know, you look at, um, I don't want to give anything away, but like Elliot Wolf, now, Elliot Wolf, two years ago when we started stick to football, it was like, he's going to be a GM soon. Well, here we are two years later. He's still not, but he is one of the pillars of that Browns front office that I, I think we both believe in quite a bit and have not been shy saying on, on Twitter that we, we really like the direction they're going in. So it is, it is kind of fascinating to now we've been around long enough to track some of these names a little bit before we get into the rankings. I do want to quickly touch on two bits of news that are happening around the league that could have massive ramifications on the season on fantasy football and on two teams that uh, I think we all believe are playoff caliber. That's the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. Both teams running backs are one is meeting with the commissioner, the other likely to get a call soon. Zeke Elliott meeting with Commissioner Roger Goodell, stemming from an incident that happened in Las Vegas. I believe it was in March. Uh, no, no charges, no rest. But for Zeke, who, if you remember, Goodell sent that letter about like zero tolerance, like next problem, you're you're out of here, mister. And well, something happened. And so I think we're all kind of waiting to see how strict Goodell will decide to be about this once once they do have this meeting. Yeah, and I think there's been a consistent theme where I know Cowboys fans feel very frustrated with the treatment of Zeke in terms of what you know has been proven or hasn't been proven about him and the suspension, I guess, history, you could say. And when you look across the board at Kareem Hunt, I mean, it's a little more significant in my eyes for sure. There is no doubt about that. Much more mm-hmm. significant where it's frustrating for me covering this side of things, Matt, because I think in the Goodell era, there's been a lack of consistency with this and transparency to where NFL fans don't really know what to expect anymore when it comes to suspensions, whether it is a video of somebody getting shoved or it's a video of uh, much worse, whether that's domestic violence or so on and so forth. So, or not a video at all where they're left to do their own investigation and come to their conclusions. And I don't really know how they can get better at improving that. I don't know if transparency is the absolute solution, but there's no doubt about it. This is the time of year where you don't want your team in the headlines. And it's definitely something to track because at the end of the day, these guys are important pieces for their teams. I think for the long stretch, they really are. And is it unfair of me to tell cream hunt? Like just don't go to bars anymore. Like that was my, so that was my issue going. A lot of people were like, well, you know, there's a rumor, there's nothing going on, the police were talking to him. Why are you out right now? In a place where all of your trouble has happened. 
People forget that. Like, Kareem Hunt has had problems in that state. And you're really on. You're, you're lucky to get this chance right now for a franchise that, or GM, I would say, is becoming known as the place of second chances. I, I think when you look at the Hunt situation, why are you even putting yourself in an environment where the cameras can be on you at the time of year where you don't want any cameras on you unless you're in the gym? And I know it's, yeah. I don't want to sit here and say you can't have fun or can't have a personal life or can't go out. I mean, it's a little different though when you're in Kareem Hunt's shoes right now. It really is. And like you said, when he, when the Chiefs cut him, it was kind of like a good riddance, uh, but we're going to miss one of the best running backs in the NFL. When he went back to Cleveland, I know several people around the NFL who were like, this sucks because he's really good and he has a chip on his shoulder and they're going to be really good. And then there were people who were like, he did not need to go back to Ohio. Like that is the one place he did not need to be. So I I think the Browns almost have to assign a big brother type thing, you know, like get, get Nick Chubb in there. You know, we we've talked to Nick Chubb. He seems like he's got his head on his shoulders. He's oh, he, for sure. it, mature. He gets it. Cream hunt. And I, you know, like some people just can't go out that I, I, I even know people in my own life where it's like, they're just, it's not good for them to go out and be in those situations. And I think we're to that point with cream hunt. He needs to just like stay home. He needs to grow up a little bit. I think when it comes down to it for me as well, you look at it, it's, uh, is it even fair to put somebody in that situation where I know some franchises really like to do it based by alumni. So when it comes down to it, it's one of those things where if they played together in college and there's a relationship in place there, right. you feel more comfortable asking the player, hey, if we brought this guy in, you mind living with him? You mind just keeping him on track? Do you think this is somebody? And teams really do that. It's something that we don't talk about enough. Before the draft or after the draft during free agency periods, teams really rely on their leadership players that went to the same school or know them from the camp circuits and stuff like that. And I think at some point for a roster as talented as Cleveland, it's just like, is when is the, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze all the time for me? I like Duke Johnson. I think Nick Chubb is a lead back. It's just, I don't think this was the right environment for Kareem Hunt. And I'm not just jumping at the first bit of news. I think we felt this way for the longest time. And I just, I have serious questions. When is it going to get better? Yeah, I, I do as well, man. Let's take a break. We come back. We're going to start ranking these front offices 32 all the way to one. So if you're a fan of a good team, you got to listen to the whole show today. It's time. We're going to start at 32. We're going to work our way to one ranking the NFL's front offices. And I don't want to just pat ourselves on the back, but I have not seen anyone do this. So this was quite the undertaking for us. There's no template to go off of. This is our study our homework ranking these teams. Yeah, it was. It's a lot of work because you really got to go through the entire group and also a lot of promotions or external promotions across the league to keep track of who's where, who's doing what. And it's tough to start this because I feel like I'm piling on and I know the response is not going to be pretty and I'm sorry, but 32 for me is the New York Giants and I think they have some talented scouts in the building but their guy at the top is truly one of those I'm making the decisions here in Dave Gettleman, and I just don't think they've been very good, to be honest with you, Matt. I think something we've talked about on this show, they had a better offer for Odell Beckham from the San Francisco 49ers, and they did not take it. 
because they wanted him out of the conference. But at the end of the day, I just I can't agree with the value or lack of value they got back from him. I can't agree, and some of this might fall on ownership, riding out this Eli Manning era too long, where now his salary has also taken an effect, being on the books this year for the team. I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. I love Saquon Barkley, but you took him second overall. I mean, there were some pretty good quarterbacks available when that pick happened. I just think the direction of this team has felt like something stuck in the past for quite some time. Even, it's just some of the defensive veterans, they've let get out the door for no value that have gone on to be very productive elsewhere. They have to completely rebuild this defense now. I just, I don't like the direction at all. But even worse, the decision-making and strategy around it has been very disappointing. Yeah, I am not a fan of the Giants front office either. I don't have them at 32, though. That's where I actually have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And and I'll get into that when it's time to rank the Giants. But I have the Bucs at 32, not only because Jason Light drafted a kicker in the second round who is now out of the NFL, but he really hasn't drafted well. I mean, you, you could look at no, you know, Jameis Winston. We're talking about like the guy who has never reached his potential, and, and you're on a third head coach with him. Verna Hargraves, Noah Spence, Roberto Aguayo. Those were your first second, your first and two second round picks in 2016. They've amounted to absolutely nothing. Hargraves looks like a bust. Spence is a rotational guy. Aguayo it was a, a comically bad Colossal pick. bust. Right. And then even 2017. Okay. OJ Howard. That was a no brainer that we'll give you some credit for that. Chris Godwin looks okay. We'll give you some credit there. 2018. You don't take Derwin James. You take Vita Vea who can't even get on the, the, the field consistently. And I understand some of that was injury, but those concerns were there in college. Ronald Jones, you open a running back spot for this dude. It's yours here. The running back job is yours. Second round pick. He can't get on the field. So it's just a lot of bad picks. And I hope the selection of Devin white will help turn this around. Maybe hiring Bruce Arians was the right move, but I, I got to put Jason Light at 32 because I just, I have no faith in this team. This is one of the few franchises when they can, they draft a good player and I'm like, oh man, well, there goes Devin White. Like he's he's probably <laughs> not going to live up to his potential because he got drafted by the Bucks. I think it's been a rough go of it for the Bucs. There's no, no way around it. I think it's actually been a pretty big surprise for a lot of people that the general manager has survived as long as he has. And it felt like Todd Bowles actually had the pulse of the draft room this year with a lot of those picks. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen that kind of come back to bite teams a lot with the New York Jets. Personally, you have. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you some of his picks. Darren Lee, Devin Smith, like those were Todd Bowles picks. And those were really, really bad picks. So we'll see how it goes for the Bucks. 31 for me is a team that is very tough to rank because they truly don't have a real GM in place right now in the Houston Texans. I thought Brian Gain did not do enough when he was there, and he deserved more time, I'll be honest with you there, but didn't love their draft. I think they're a a franchise that needs to protect Deshaun Watson, who's an absolute star, and I don't know if they've answered those questions. So when you look at the unit as a whole, not just the GM that was let go, there have been some problems there. I think, man, you look at even some of these recent drafts, and once again, it's hard to criticize an an unknown unit right now. If they got Nick Casario, this would have jumped up a lot more. But, you know, since they've taken Watson, the misses around this group, Matt, have just been not, you know, there's just not impact players in these groups. The 2018 class, I like Justin Reed. I mean, after that, are you getting much? 2019, a ton of developmental question marks. I'm not a Lonnie Johnson fan, and they need help at corner so badly right now. So, they kind of have some question marks at running back this year. And and I think Watson just, he needs a guy back there that, that he could trust. So 
Will Fuller's been great, but he's been hurt a lot. Nick Martin's been hurt a lot. Braxton Miller never did anything, and I know that's going back, but you just look at the recent things we could attach the Texans to, and it's not been great. Yeah, and the lack of a GM definitely affects that. Of course. At 31, I went with the Arizona Cardinals, and this is not me hating on them drafting an Oklahoma quarterback. It's me hating on the fact that they traded up to draft a quarterback last year, took him at 10 overall, Josh Rosen, then traded him to the Miami Dolphins for basically an early third-round pick. They draft Kyler Murray, but let's look at Steve Kime's draft picks, and I don't know how many people know this. Steve Kime has never worked anywhere other than the Miami Dolphins. He started as a regional scout in 1999, and he's been the GM there since 2013. So The Cardinals. He, yeah, with the Cardinals. He's, he's only been with that one franchise, which would actually terrify me. Yeah, I would want somebody who had been around and experienced things. His first-round picks, Jonathan Cooper, Daniel Buchanan, DJ Humphreys, Robert Kim DJ, Hassan Reddick, Josh Rosen. Oof. Woof. Find me the player. You know what's I mean, crazy, though, Matt, that makes it worse? He got lucky when he got David Johnson. Did you watch really uh, did. Uh, All or Nothing? Yeah, they they wanted <laughs> Amir Abdullah. <sighs> Sometimes those series do not help you. No, they, really they really don't. don't. And so with Steve Kime, and there's also the DUI. He was suspended yeah, for part of the year luck. last year. The the mishandling of Josh Rosen is just the cherry on top here. Like, you could have been trading that dude for three months, and you sat on your hands and, and acted all cocky on Twitter and out in public about, no, we're not going to take Kyler Murray. Josh is our quarterback. Well, congratulations. You got a penny on a dollar You played because <laughs> you were cocky. So I have the Cardinals at 31. I'll roll right into 30 yeah. because this is where I have the Houston Texans. Uh, I like some of the guys they have in that building if they're able to keep them. That's the hard part. Uh, I, I wasn't a big Rick Smith fan when they let him go. I was like, okay, well, I understand this. But not having a GM hurts you. I think Jack Easterby, James Lipford, and Robert Keisel, those are three names to keep an eye on. At. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys uh, – quickly emerges as a leader in that front office. There's been a lot of smoke about Jack Easterby, who was like the chaplain with the Patriots. This guy has shot like a rocket uh, up this front office chain, but they have some good scouts there. James Lipford, the director of college scouting, very, very highly sought after um, a, a couple of years ago when he was a scouting free agent. So there's some talent there, but the fact that they don't have a GM and that it seems like Bill O'Brien, whom I like as a coach, seems like he might be a little hard to work with if you're a GM. So that that puts them down here for me, even though they they have a couple guys that I actually like. A 30 for me is the Bucks. It really goes back to all the reasons you said. I think they've just kind of played the draft poorly over recent years, and I'm a fan of Devin White. I even like Sean Bunting this year. But when it comes down to it, I, I like the draft overall this year. I think Jason Light just didn't do enough in previous years to really get enough impact. The defense is a mess. That's where it comes down to it right now. The defense needs to be completely retooled. The quarterback has not been a hit at all. I just think when you look at the Bucks, it's kind of surprising that this front office is really still in play there. And Bruce Arians is a pretty amazing coach. Todd Bowles is a very good defensive coordinator. So maybe they can make a miracle and help them survive. But it is not going to be easy with that roster. No, it's not, man. 29, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't even really know who runs this team. It might be Mike Brown. Duke who's listed. Tobin? It might be Duke Tobin. It might be Paul Brown. It might be Bill Tobin. Like, there's just, there's no clarity, really, who's running this team. I thought when Marvin Lewis was there, they had some pretty good drafts. Like, they were okay. They were solidly drafting as a team. We'll see what happens now. But I, this is one team that I've, always heard. I remember asking a college it was like, what teams have been through there to see this player, highly regarded player, top five pick. And, and they said, 
everyone with the Bengals, which isn't a surprise because they don't go anywhere. This is the cheapest team in the NFL when it comes to scouting and front office. It's just not really a priority for them. Hopefully that changes, but the Bengals front office is like you could in the last 10 years, you could put them in the bottom five. And I don't know that like outside of AJ Green, I don't know that anybody could really argue with you about this. At 29, I have the Detroit Lions. And here's an interesting twist here. The Lions aren't this low on the list because of the draft, although at times it is not been great, you know, whether you want to get into the 2017 class or, I mean, even I like Frank Ragno and carry on Johnson, but my big issue with this group, Matt, is that I don't think they hired the right coach when it comes down to it. I don't think Matt Patricia is the guy moving forward. I've already heard because of that. Everybody there is on the hot seat going into the season. And the biggest issue with that is you're in a division with the Vikings, Packers and bears they're all better than you. And if you have a playoff mandate or else everyone's gone, I do not like your chances. I, I just think Bob Quinn's been, you know, given a lot of time there. I think there's been some good, but a lot more mistakes. They haven't knocked the draft out of the park and they didn't make a coaching hire that can really supplement that enough. So the lions fall pretty low down this list. Yeah. I'm with you. Imagine if they had hired Mike Vrabel instead of Matt. Patricia. It would have been the perfect hire. It really would have because he gets the most out of those defensive guys. And I know people think Patricia could do that this year, but I just think they're climbing uphill in that division right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The New York Giants are at 28 for me. Connor had them previously at 32. The only reason, and I thought you did a great job outlining why they were so low. The only saving grace for me is that I actually really like most of the people under Dave Gettleman. Yeah, they're like, good scouts. I thought, You're right. If they had made Kevin Abrams the GM instead of Dave Gettleman, I think we'd be looking at a very different situation right now. Chris Mara, who's a senior VP of player personnel, those two have a great reputation. David Tyree, who's their director of player development, has one of the best reputations. That's kind of a, a very under-the-radar gig. You see it on Hard Knocks a lot. Like, what does this guy do? It's very important. And I've heard David Tyree is amazing at that role. So it, it just, you know, I didn't like Pat Shermer. I thought that was like, they got too cute with that hire. Like, let's build a front office and a coaching staff for Eli. Instead of realizing that they really need to let him go, this is very much like a family organization with, I mean, Chris Mara, the, the VP of player personnel, uh, his dad owns the team. So like, it, it's very much, you know, a little bit of a family operation. And I think that's why we've seen them be hesitant to cut bait on Eli when they, you know, let OBJ go, they let Landon Collins go and they're holding on to a quarterback who's clearly regressing. So they are not a good front office by any stretch of the imagination, even though like they've drafted good players. I just don't feel like their valuation of them is very good. And then, like you said, Connor, when it comes to free agency, I don't know what they're doing with their veteran player movement. That's my biggest issue. I think strategy with the New York Giants is why they were last for me. I don't think they miss on all of their draft picks over the last couple of years or since Gettleman has come in. I think the way, like here's a really big example to me, Matt. Remember when we did the show and you reported that you had heard there was at least one team that was interested in speaking to the Giants to offer a first round pick for Landon Collins. Yeah. And some of the reactions, including Dave Gettleman's were, well, that's that's bullshit. Whether you believe that or not, which as Matt's co-host, I fully do. That doesn't mean they could have probably gotten a second round pick back if that right. team wasn't comfortable offering their first at the end of discussions or maybe a third for the the way they played it to get the compensatory selection for a team that's season was down the toilet. That's bad strategy. 
that's what I go back to. And that's example one of 100. And I, like I said, I, I don't want to sit here and just kill the Giants because I do think they've done some right things. I just think they have a GM that's it's past his time is really what it is. 27, the Arizona Cardinals. I thought you outlined this really well. I actually feel like, well, let's do 28. I almost skipped the 49ers there, <laughs> not to get ahead I, of myself. Fine. The 28, the 49ers. This is a fascinating one because if this was a head coaching list, they'd be in the top 10. But this is a front office list, and they unfortunately fall into the lower tier of this because they just really haven't gotten a ton of players. Now, I did like some of their picks this year, but I'm talking about the depth of classes. And you look at, I mean, Ruben Foster's not even there anymore. C.J. Beathard, they took in the third round. Joe Williams isn't there anymore. Of course, George Kittle was a great pick. You know, McGlinchey, Pettis, that, you know, they headline classes really well. And I think they did a good job of it again this year, Bosa and Debo. Yep. But, I mean, I'm not really a big D Ford fan when you talk about playing the veteran market. And I just think the overall strategy going into the drafts, they haven't done enough to really give Kyle Shanahan the pieces to put the foot on the gas. And at the end of the day, uh, that really does fall on John Lynch. It does. And, and this isn't, listen, if you're 28th, you're not like, it absolutely, you're not clueless is what I'm saying. Because there's a lot of good GMs across the league. I'm just saying that as it stands right now, we have not seen enough to warrant that bold hire that John Lynch was. Uh, I will get to that team very shortly. <laughs> 27, I have the Denver Broncos. Let's just keep this simple. John Elway has not been able to find a quarterback. Now he has Joe Flacco and Drew Locke. Hopefully that's the uh, the answer. But I, I don't have faith in John Elway. I think he's done a good job like at other positions, but you have to get a quarterback to win. I know he has the Super Bowl ring. You can thank Peyton Manning for that. I, I just, John Elway needs more help. And I like Matt Russell in their front office. I think in time he could be a good general manager candidate, but I think Elway has to, to has to start listening to better people. And we'll see if this coaching hire, he made another one, by the way, another coaching hire. We'll see if this one works. Uh, bringing in Vic Fangio, who I, I absolutely love as a defensive coordinator, but the Broncos, they seem like a team that has never really figured it out. They're, you know, they're like, they don't really know how to drive a stick shift. They're just throwing it in different gears and see seeing what's going to happen. <laughs> that's like, that's Elway right now. I mean, he's a cat with nine lives at this point. And when you're a legend, that tends to happen at places. I, I think what's frustrating with the Broncos, and I'll get into it in a little bit more, is that they had a Super Bowl window that could have gone gotten extended if they found a quarterback because they had such a good roster. But yeah. 27, the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, Matt summed it up really well. I don't have to go too long here. I loved their draft this year. I really did. I also was very vocal that Steve Kime should not have been making these draft picks because of how bad things have gone over the years there. And you want to talk about a gap in a division? I mean, good Lord, are they far behind? Yeah, they really, really are. And, that, and that just getting farther behind. Hopefully, Kyler Murray splashes. 26 for me. This is where I have the Detroit Lions. Like Connor said before, I think they did hire the wrong coach. Uh, this is, a, I think, a tough place to win just because the, you know, the expectations are high because they've always been decent. But it just doesn't feel like Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia were the right fix. This front office, though, is actually loaded with names that people talk about as like up and comers. You know, Jimmy Ray the third as a, a potential GM candidate every year, basically. So there is some talent here. Their director pro scouting job was vacant. The last I heard, I haven't seen any updates on that. So it's not a complete front office right now, but man, it, it feels like it's getting close to time where they need to win there because they tried to turn over the culture 
It didn't really hasn't really worked. Maybe this is the year that it it takes effect, but I'm just not like Bob Quinn. You just are kind of indifferent about, and I think that's why they're at 26 for me. Exactly. Treading water 26 for me. Another team that kind of feels that way is the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is actually the Tom Coughlin show as much as he doesn't have the GM title. Uh, he, he really runs the personnel decisions there. I think more so than Dave Caldwell. I'm just not a believer in the money that they gave Nick Foles. And I think some of the decisions of how long they played out the Blake Bortles era probably cost them a potential title era. I mean, I'm serious. That team was that good at one point. And I know they wouldn't even pick up the phone when the Jets were looking to move Teddy Bridgewater. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would have been a really good upgrade there for pennies on the dollar for a Jacksonville team that needed more from their quarterback position. So they've gotten a lot right at times, especially on defense. I don't think they've gotten it right on the offensive side of things. And it's a shame because this is a team that could have been a legitimate problem in the AFC the last couple of years. Yeah, for real. 25, my 49ers, this breaks my heart, but I, I just don't think John Lynch has drafted that well. And and as Connor mentioned, okay, maybe they have at the top of the draft, you know, where it's easy. It's easy to get picks right at the top is what we all always hear. Yeah, Mike McCagman did it and he's is, fired. Right, but Salma Thomas isn't good. So maybe it's not <laughs> that easy. Ruben Foster is on another team. He's gone. Uh, I mean, they just, they haven't drafted that well. And I I, I will agree that McGlinchey played well last year. Pettis showed flashes. Fred Warner looked better, but this just, it feels like they've gotten cute at times. And I said this, uh, I, I believe on the Monday morning show, if they don't win this year, some heads are going to roll and it's not going to be Kyle Shanahan because you make that trade for Garoppolo and you pay him like he's Tom Brady. The dude has to play and he has to play well. And they've spent, you know, you bring in D Ford, you, you bring in uh, Quan Alexander, you bring in Tevin Coleman. They brought in all these guys, someone better produce or John Lynch is going to be back working on Fox calling the games instead of sitting uh, on the Niners sidelines because they have a very good head coach there who has proven himself as a play caller, but you got to get him the right players. And I just, I don't know if Lynch is that guy for them. So I have them at 25 overall. 25. I got the Redskins here and, and they kind of did themselves a lot of favors this year because I did not love what's going on in this front office before this draft. Bruce Allen there, definitely some questionable decisions over the years. Matt always jokes that they kind of just go the route of taking everyone from Alabama. It seems that uh, they've gotten away, you know, from that this year, obviously making Haskins their franchise quarterback. The value of Montez Sweat was good, and I think they did a good job pairing Terry McLaren. Uh, When it comes down to it, this group is, you know, it's tough because they haven't gotten over the hump and they flashed at times, whether, you know, obviously going back to RG three, but even more recently when they were winning that division this year and their season fell apart to a gigantic injury to Alex Smith. I think the Redskins have a decent roster. I really do. I think they haven't been able to make that one big move that puts them atop the division and playing against the Eagles and Cowboys doesn't make it any easier But I think if you're looking for a team that's on this lower tier, I actually like some of the things they've done over recent years. So I have the the Jags at 24 for all the reasons you said. And I actually put in my notes like Tom Coughlin or Dave Caldwell. Like I I don't really know who's running this Neither of them soon if things go the way this year that many expect. No doubt, man. They have so much talent on this team. It's just, and it, it actually does feel like it's falling apart. So I should say that, like, I don't think they're doing a great job of roster retention. Um, obviously, they have scouts, but it's, again, kind of like we were saying with the Niners, it is easy to pick when you're always picking early. So it's about player development, player retention. Um, I, I think Doug Marone is a good coach. I mean, they were so close. I mean, they had a lead on the Patriots. 
it's just, you know, getting everything tied together. We'll see. I mean, they, they're betting their jobs on Nick Foles, basically. Uh, Coughlin, Caldwell, would you? Marone. Uh, in this quarterback market, I actually think I would have. Okay, that's fair. But we'll see. I mean, that, I can say that and not get fired. They say that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. They're going to get fired. So. <laughs> the question was betting your job, right. though. So you're yeah. supposed to pretend. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. But I, I like how the Jags, like, they built that just badass defense. But it's it's falling apart now because, you know, guys couldn't stay healthy. Or, you know, that Tom Coughlin and Jalen Ramsey can't get along. And, and it just it Fowler couldn't get along with anyone. Right. It just feels like they're not keeping it together very well. Well, speaking of another team that hasn't kept it, you know, together very well recently here, I got the Bengals at 24, which is not a terrible ranking, but it's just a question of outside of Duke Tobin, who is running the personnel with this group? And I think it's going to be a big transition period for them with their young head coach and Zach Taylor. It sucks that Jonah Williams is hurt already because I think they wanted to have an identity to be a tough running first kind of team. And Jonah going down already is a huge dent in that. They've had plenty of misses over recent years. John Ross was just, I mean, Marvin Lewis claims that 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 was not his guy. So somebody that still works in Cincinnati clearly made that pick (laughs) over the top. And it's kind of hurt them now for a while. You just look at Andy Dalton's not the guy to take you over the top. And they have just been happily treading water, riding it out for a while. So the Bengals kind of mediocrity for a while. And that's where you find yourself on this list. At 23, I have the Carolina Panthers. I am not a Marty Herney fan, yeah, but same. I do think he's better than Dave Gettleman. So, I mean, that's really where you are, Panthers fans. You fired one for the other. I think the new owner, David Tepper, will eventually make some changes here and shake things up. It This feels like a team that's gotten a little stale, and they might need to, to make some changes in order to re-energize the building. I don't think they've done a very good job of surrounding Cam Newton with the talent that he needs and deserves as a, a fantastic quarterback. They haven't drafted terribly but they haven't drafted all that well either they're just the kind of middle of the pack which is where they are right here yeah they're the Bengals of, <laughs> of the, the NFC, NFC it yeah. feels like except Cam can be great and they haven't done enough to supplement him so we're going to go back to back here with the same team I have them at 23 you have them at 22 the Miami Dolphins so the Dolphins are going to be really bad this year but the Dolphins have a very very smart talented GM and Chris Greer that really finally has the full reins over there now Matt yes. to run things with his head coach that they are very excited about and also pick the right players the future. And I like the trial that Josh Rosen is on now to see if he's the quarterback of the future. If not, you're going to get one of the guys next year, whether it's Justin Herbert to a tongue of Iloa, Jake Fromm, the list goes on and on. You will see what Jacob Eason can do. So the dolphins, they're probably, they were, I think the worst team on our power rankings, but they have some really bright spots in that front office right now. They really do. I like Chris Greer and I'm happy that he finally got this team. You know, he waited for the Mike Tannenbaum. Yeah, it should have happened a while ago. It should have. So I have them at 22, and I think that's very high for a first-time GM, but I'm a believer in what Chris Greer can do. He has good assistance underneath him, and I'm so glad you shouted that out. The Josh Rosen trade, even if he doesn't work, it was worth it to trade, what, 68 overall to see if a guy who was the number 10 pick the year before can be a franchise quarterback for you. So it's a a savvy, low-risk move. I love that. I thought they drafted pretty well, even though the draft really got overshadowed by the Rosen trade. So I'm excited to see what Brian Flores and Chris Greer can do together at South Beach. I'll round out this bottom third here. 22, the Broncos, 21, the Panthers. I think the Broncos finally had a really good draft this year after a couple of years of just completely missing. It, it goes back to, I thought they had a Super Bowl window that could have been extended if Elway had hit on the quarterback at some point. 
He is not. I think the roster was built very, very well, whether it was through free agency or trades and things like that. And they just couldn't hit enough on the draft to keep things rolling the way they should have. So the Broncos, 22, not terrible, but it, it just they leave a lot to be desired. And I think the Panthers are the same way. You have an MVP caliber quarterback that got you to a Super Bowl. You look at Marty Herney, it's just like, Stale was the perfect way to describe it, Matt. As soon as you said, I'm like, that's it. That's the issue there. So I think they need to go in a new direction, get younger, get a little more creative. It's, you know, you look at ownership there now, uh, new ownership there now, you would think that they have to at least be exploring that at some point because you just don't get quarterbacks that talented every single decade. And you have one right now. You got to put the foot on the gas and capitalize. Yeah, I agree. I have the Redskins at 21. It's so weird to say that because I I know I've said in previous shows I don't trust that front office, but God, they actually kind of draft well. Yeah, you know, they do. And I think it's because they take big name players from big programs who we know exactly who they are. But you look at the John Payne, Jonathan Allen; those were good picks. They signed Landon Collins. You know they've built an offensive line. I'm excited for Darius Geis. Now they then they turn around to get Haskins and Scary Terry. Like this, this is actually kind of a good young team. I don't know that Jay Gruden is the guy to maximize this talent but as far as the front office goes they're not as bad as i think even i have blamed them of being let's take a break we come back 20 through 11 then 10 through 1 these are our front office rankings every team in the nfl number 20 overall oh my god we actually agree the new york fighting jets they get a lot of credit here because of the joe douglas hire like we talked about at the top of the show i like that they brought rex hogan back to town where he has some roots uh i I think he'll do a very good job in this front office it is mostly an unknown staff right now because they they didn't get Todd McShay. They didn't get Daniel Jeremiah to work under Joe Douglas, but I think a pretty good staff keeping some of the guys from the McCagnan era also helped. So Joe Douglas, I think is off to a good start, even though we haven't seen him make any moves yet. Yeah. I think his reputation, it kind of solidifies this spot at 20 because of all the great things he did in Philadelphia. He also brought over Chad Alexander from the Ravens. who has a good reputation. Obviously Phil Savage is going to advise there. So they have some veteran leadership. They have some, you guys that could bring a younger thought process in there. They did keep some of the guys in there that they believe in that Adam Gase and Joe believe in. So I think when you look at the jets, there's a lot of excitement about this front office and it's one of, this is the most volatile spot in the year. The jets could be in the top 10 in the year. The jets could be back down to where Mike McCagnan had them outside the top 25. So there's a lot of promise right now going into the Joe Douglas era. There really is, and it, it all rides on Sam Darnold. That's it. So, it really does. No pressure, Sam. 19 overall, Mike Mayock and the Oakland Raiders, and I want to put them higher. I think Mayock's first year was just amazing, but I need to see a little bit more. Uh, I believe this is the highest I have any first-year general manager, so I want to I point that out, Raider fans. I know you're going to see this and think, 19, why so low? This is very high for a general manager who has had basically one year. I love what Mayock has done. Let's just see it into fruition. Like, let's make sure it wasn't beginner's luck. Let's see him manage a full season now. But I think the arrow was pointing way up on the Oakland Raiders. I'm with you there, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But 19 for me is the Green Bay Packers. We like to call him Mr. G on this show. And I think it's been a little bit ups and downs with the Packers, but I loved how aggressive they were in free agency. I'm a believer that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out swinging, not chugging this season. And I think... 
when you look at it, I, I'm not a Rashawn Gary believer, but I love the Darnell Savage pick. And I think when it comes down to it, this roster does look better in, in the time that Mr. G has had the power of the decision. So Green Bay, they have good scouts in that building. I think they have good voices in that building. And I think it's nice to see a change of their thought process. Go spend some free agency dollars on the external market to get this team back into the postseason. It is a it's a whole new world for them. At 18 overall, we actually agree again. again the Buffalo Bills, um, th- they have done better than I think a lot of people would. You, when you think of the Bills, you're like, oh, they're not any good. But th- this is a fairly good staff, at least in my opinion. Uh, I like Sean McDermott as a head coach a lot, by the way. So Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott work well together. But they also have a good group underneath Brandon Bean. Dan Morgan, the DP. Uh, the DPP, they're very, very good. Terrence Gray, the director of college scouting, great, rec- uh, great reputation. Lake Dawson, his assistant, great reputation. Like they have a good front office, which is what Brandon Bean really brought to this team was his ability to build a staff. It's a young crew. They're learning a little bit on the job, but they have the support of ownership. They have a good coaching staff in place. So I, I think that what we've seen from Bean, whether you like Josh Allen or not, they have they have prioritized an offensive line. They've prioritized the defense. This is a sneaky good team, in my opinion, right now. I think so, too. I think when you look at the Bills and why they're on eight, at 18 for both of us here, it's just good decision-making for personnel. And Josh Allen, to me, was always a second-round developmental kind of player that you know can be worth the roll of the dice. We'll see how that development goes. But I think the job of the GM and the personnel you know, assistance under him is to set him up for success. And they've begun to do that in Buffalo. I thought they played the draft brilliantly this year. Uh, the Panthers should have promoted this guy when it comes down to it. Yep. I mean, he should be making the decisions in Carolina. Instead, Buffalo does the smart job of going and getting him. So I like the Bills there at, at the 18 spot. 17, interesting here for me, because if we were doing the head coaching rankings once again, they'd be in probably the top two. But 17, the Rams... And here is why I have an interesting take. Why this might seem low 17 is nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed of. I don't think the front office makes the personnel decisions here. I think the head coach does, and he does a great job of it. But Sean McVay is not given a, he's not bill Belichick. He doesn't have a front office role. He's the head coach of the football team. I don't, I think this front office was struggling before he got there immensely. They really were. So I can't sit here and give them all of this credit for something that, in my honest opinion, and I don't even know if it's opinion, I'm a believer that's a fact, Sean McVay has done a good job of turning the personnel over and finding the pieces that fit right. Yeah, I I have them a little higher, and I, I want to touch on them when we get there. At 17, I have the Green Bay Packers, like you said, Mr. G, two drafts in. I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, it might be too early to say that, but I think Jair Alexander is a stud. We need to see more from Josh Jackson. Obviously, he was a second-round pick. I thought they did play the draft really well this year, getting Rashad Gary, Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins. But my favorite thing is that they actually spend money now. It's not like the Ted Thompson era where they don't sign free agents. They're actually trying to put a team around Aaron Rodgers as his Super Bowl window uh, probably gets close to closing unless he's going to Tom Brady this thing. So I'm, <laughs> excuse me, I'm encouraged by the Packers front office. I also think they do have some people there who could be GMs. Um, at, when you look at who's coming up, um, you know, Russ Ball is there uh, as the director of football operations. That's a name to keep an eye on. Matt Malaspina, uh, who actually was rumored for that Raiders job before Mike Mayock got it. Um, he's someone who has a very good reputation. And that was when they were thinking of bringing someone in to work with Reggie McKenzie. So uh, keep those two names kind of in the back of your mind, because I, I think they'll both be on GM list very, very soon. Uh, at 16, Connor, we have two of the most popular teams in the NFL at 16. 
I'm going to let you go first on this one, though. Yeah, this is going to surprise some people. I have the Kansas City Chiefs here, and they kind of fall smack dab in the middle of this list because I still think there's some unproven from the GM. I think when you look at it, they're playing with an incredible, incredible foundation that was set by some people that no longer work there. And now they're going to be put on the trial here to see if they can keep that momentum going with their drafts and signings. And they doled out some big time money in free agency. They've made some bold picks. I love me Cole Hardman. I think he's going to shine there. They have the best quarterback in football who will be the best quarterback for the next decade. But once again, we've seen GMs come into these situations or inherit these situations and whiff on supplementing talent. I don't think the Chiefs have whiffed yet. I just haven't seen them get over the hump yet where I feel comfortable putting them in, say, the top 10. Yeah, I will talk about them later as well. At 16, I have the Dallas Cowboys, and this was really hard for me. I actually feel like the teams ranked ahead of here, I would almost consider like elite front offices, which I know is weird to say there are 15, but the Cowboys are are really, really good at some things, but I feel like Jerry Jones still messes up enough. Like Will McClay's really good. Steven Jones seems like he's he's got it figured out. But Jerry is still Jerry, and he's just going to do whatever he wants. I docked them, honestly, because here they are with their quarterback, running back, and wide receiver all needing an extension at the same time. Yeah, real interesting. That's not good planning. I, I loved the trade for Amari Cooper, and he looked like a complete different player once they got him into their system, but they they really didn't plan this well. They haven't drafted that well. Like they They've really been saved by the fact that they have Dak and that they have Zeke when they're both on the field together, but when you look back at the drafts, like Leighton Van Der Esch, great pick, amazing pick, and I think Connor Williams will be fine, but like, you know, Taco Charlton looks like a bust. Um, we really haven't seen them uh, develop players that well, I, I think, especially in the secondary. Like the secondary for me is a, a big question mark for the Cowboys, and they've they've thrown picks at it. They just haven't really stuck. So it's a good front office, and, and they seem to work well with the a head coach who's kind of stale. I'll use that word again. But this is, uh, again, a good team. I know you're going to think like, oh, 16, that's the middle of the pack. But the 15 teams ranked ahead of them, I think, are really, really good at their jobs. Yeah, we're going to get into a little bit of the land of disagreement here. And that's where it gets fun in the top 15. So right here at 15, I have this might shock some people. I have the Oakland Raiders right at 15. That's, no, that's not a surprise. Right. Dude. I really don't think I had them at 19. You have them at 15. Yeah, like, they, I, they're good. The, OK, and here's the thing. Mike Mayock is very good. He has some very, very smart people working under him that he came in and brought in. So I think when you look at what the Raiders have done, the A-B trade being a huge one, but I thought they drafted very, very well. I'm excited about the future of this franchise. I'm still not the biggest Derek Carr believer. We'll see how that one plays out. But you talk about turning over a roster and getting value. I think they've done a pretty good job. And I know there were people that hated on the lack of upside in their draft. Those guys are going to be on the field and they're going to be productive, good football players. So uh, we'll see who gets the, the last laugh at that one. But I like the direction the Raiders are heading in right now. So I held this back when I was talking about them at 19, because I knew you would be really soon. I actually did dock them for trading Cleo Mack. And I know it's like, we're at this point where people say, well, they wouldn't have been able to afford. So I, I didn't because it was like that. Right. Yeah. So it's, it is tough, right? It's tough, right? Have... That's fair then. So we're probably the same. We would have right. them both in the middle. Right. Yeah. They're very much in the middle. And I God, I think Mayock's going to do a, a really good job there at 15. I have the Minnesota Vikings and I like Rick Spielman. I think he has a good vision. I think he's a good evaluator. And I like Mike Zimmer. Like, I think they work really well together, but man, I, I think they rolled the dice on the wrong quarterback. They gave Kirk cousins. Yeah. It's a problem. So much money 
fully guaranteed contract, and he's just average. And anyone who watched him in Washington could have told you this guy's just average. He's going to have really good games. He's going to have really bad games. He's probably somewhere in the middle. But the Vikings do have George Payton, who's going to be a general manager soon. He's their uh, vice president of player personnel, assistant general manager. They have Rob Brzezinski, who's the VP of football operations. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not a general manager soon. This is a really good front office. It's, it's a good staff. I just think they got a little quarterback thirsty and it is unfortunately blowing up in their face a little bit. Also, you know, like I don't want to just nitpick things they did that I don't like because they've done a lot of things that I, I do like. But I still think that the choice of Dalvin Cook was a bad one. Yeah, I, I really do. I know they wanted to move on from Adrian Peterson. They needed a running back. I don't think Dalvin Cook was a good selection by them. So a team that's drafted solidly, but not great. Uh, but they do have some good scouts in that building. 14 for me, the Tennessee Titans. I mean, talk about killing the draft this year. I think the one thing holding them back is how average Marcus Mariota has been at times. But you want to talk about building a very good football roster and hiring the right coach in Mike Vrabel. Tennessee has done that. And and we're going to see the trial year here for Marcus Mariota. We're going to find out if he's the future of that franchise. But one thing you have to know, no matter what, whether he is or isn't, I think this roster is in very, very good hands because of the coach that's developing them. But also, you just look at what the GM has done since getting over there. I just think it's been it's been a really positive direction so far. And you have to feel very optimistic about that right now down in Tennessee, which, you know, they haven't always had that. But John Robinson, he comes in with a direction. They make good free agency moves so far. They have good veteran leadership there. I'm pretty excited about the Titans, and I know you are too, Matt. Yeah, I have them uh, very shortly here. At 14, though, I have the Baltimore Ravens. And I will say I like this staff. Eric DaCosta has been, or had been, excuse me, the lieutenant there forever underneath Ozzie Newsome. This year, he finally gets to run his own draft. Uh, I really like what they have. Joe Hortez, the director of college scouting, good at his job. George Kikinos, senior personnel assistant, really, really good at his job. They have a lot of talent here in that front office. But I think they have bet on changing the NFL a little bit, like with their picks, you know, they, they, the draft Lamar Jackson, who is, we'll see, hopefully he continues to develop as a passer, but you know, they, then they draft Marquise Brown. Like they're drafting these kind of smaller, fast guys. I think hoping that the NFL goes that way, they're getting away from what made them so smash successful. Mouth. Yeah. Smash mouth. Like they let CJ Mosley go and they really yeah. have no one yeah. in, in there to replace him. Now they did go out and sign Earl Thomas. And if he's healthy, he could be the best safety in football and paired with Tony Jefferson. They could really hurt some people. They, they still have some meat on defense. Brandon Williams is still there, but it doesn't feel like they were ready for the bottom to fall out. And they're, they're kind of trying to reinvent themselves on the fly, which I understand you have to do. We praise the Seahawks for doing that, doing it well, but the Ravens, they have put all their eggs in the Lamar Jackson basket. And if he doesn't acclimate, if he doesn't continue to develop, he will get figured out. And this will not work for them. 13, the Atlanta Falcons, one of the better drafting teams, I think we saw leading up to that Super Bowl run. Just the young talent that they have on defense there is Really, really impressive across the board. They got bit with injuries last year. It's a shame yep. because they're better than their record indicates. I think they have a lot of good decision makers in place over there. And I think when it comes down to it, they work well with the coaching staff to get the right players for scheme. I think they've done a nice job of making things work with the Julio Jones contract situation. You got Matt Ryan paid there. Devonta Freeman, it's going to be interesting how that money plays out. Hopefully he can come back strong this year, but they got some mean, nasty blockers in front of him now. 
to get the run game going again. So Atlanta, let's not forget, this team was recently in the Super Bowl, and that's because of how talented they were. And if those guys get healthy, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year, and and they continue to supplement that roster with talent year in and year out. And also, just a really nice job of how they play the free agency market and continue to capitalize on the franchise tag to keep guys like Grady Jarrett there, which could be a very, very good front seven this year. Yeah, uh, again, I have them coming up shortly. At 13, I have the Tennessee Titans, and I I think often we talk about the triplets in a front office. Most front offices, they got three guys, you know, who are kind of the top dogs. The Titans triplets might be as good as most in the NFL. There are a couple that are better, but the Titans are very, very good. I mean, they have J-Rob, John Robinson as general manager. They have Ryan Cowden, the VP of player personnel, and their director of college scouting, John Salji, is going to be a GM someday as well. So they got three guys in that building that are highly regarded. Mike Vrabel puts in a lot of work as an evaluator as well. He's very influential as far as what they do in the draft, what they do in the offseason. As you said, Connor, they've drafted very, very well. I think especially the last two years, you know, that first year, it's like ah, Corey Davis and Dory Jackson haven't really panned out. But the last two years, they've you've seen Vrabel's impact and fingerprints on this draft, and they've done it with a limited amount of picks. You know, in 2018, they only had four selections. This past year, they had six, but they're they're getting high character, high impact players. And and next year, we'll see Jeffrey Simmons become the beast that, that we all know he is. Yes, so I like the Titans front office. I know they're young. But but they've been very good. And I'll, I'll go right to 12 because that's where I do have the Atlanta Falcons. They were originally higher on my list, but losing Scott Pioli hurts this front office. Yeah, and does. I, I good know point. they're still good. Thomas Dimitrov is great at his job. He really is. But I think losing Scott Pioli will hurt them in some ways. Um, they, they rolled the dice heavy on the offensive line this year. If that doesn't work out, then we're going to be looking at them saying, what 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 did you guys do? You passed up a, a very good receiver draft, a very good edge class to take offensive linemen and then to really take developmental guys after that with Kendall Sheffield, John Comiskey, Quadre Allison. Like they took a lot of dev guys late in this draft. So this could be a boomer bust year for the Falcons, but still a very good front office that works very well in concert with the coaching staff. All right. Rounding out the middle of the pack teams here for me, 12, the Baltimore Ravens, 11, the Seattle Seahawks. You look at the Ravens, a little bit of a transition period. DaCosta was kind of the man waiting in the wings of Ozzie Newsom for a long time. I think he's ready for the job. I think it, you you nailed it, Matt. It's going to be fascinating to see them develop Lamar Jackson, put the right pieces around him. I, li- I hated them losing C.J. Mosley, but I like the additions they made. They have a workhorse running back in Mark Ingram. They have probably the best safety tandem in the NFL now with Earl Thomas next to Tony Jefferson. They have great cornerbacks. They got a speed demon at wide receiver that's going to take some (laughs) pressure off all those guys stacking the box against that Lamar Jackson running game. So Baltimore, they've done a great job over the years, really, you know, replenishing guys that they lose in free agency to big dollars all the time. And I think Takasa's been there long enough where he knows how to keep that thing rolling. 11, the Seattle Seahawks. It's crazy. This, This front office would have been in the top five really the last half decade. We've seen a little bit of dents. They haven't protected Russell Wilson. They've lost some pieces. The drafts, I mean, have been okay. They've fallen off, though, compared to the powerhouse drafts that they used to have. The Rashad Penny pick, Matt, will just always bother me, no matter what. And I felt like outside of DK Metcalf, they didn't take a lot of risk this year looking at it. So Seattle's still a great front office but they're just not one of the best or haven't been one of the best in football this last year. I have them quite a bit higher, so we'll get there. At 11, I have the Chicago Bears. 
I uh, like Ryan Pace a lot. He has made smart moves trading for Khalil Mack. Uh, Mitch Trubisky looks like he was. I understand that that Mahomes and Watson look better. I think Trubisky was the right pick for Chicago and what they needed at that time. They needed someone who could come in and play right away. Watson might have been okay there, but I, I think Watson being in a dome is much, much better for him. So I like Trubisky uh, extending Hakeem Hicks early was smart. The Eddie Jackson pick. Oh my God. How yeah, smart does amazing. that pick look now? Uh, getting our guy, Allen Robinson, for agency. They've done a really good job. Ryan Pace and his staff have there. And he made the right head coach hire, which I think deserves a lot of credit yeah. to be a young GM and say, I'm going to take Matt Nagy, who really never even called plays in Chicago in Kansas City, but we're going to let him be the head coach here. It was the right move. So Ryan Pace deserves credit. Not a lot of misses for him. There have been some picks that maybe, you know, like Leonard Floyd didn't become what you expected him to be, but is still a good player. So I, I think Ryan Pace is one of the more underrated GMs of football right now. It's time for the top 10, the top 10 front offices in the entire NFL. I just closed it at 11 with Chicago Bears. Connor, the number 10 team for you is the New Orleans Saints and a very interesting dynamic of how this front office is run. Obviously, Mickey Loomis is considered the top dog. Sean Payton definitely has a voice in whatever room he walks in. Here's the sneaky, very good personnel guy there from a scouting lens. Jeff Ireland, yep. I, I know that tenure did not end well when he was the top dog in Miami. Jeff, people in New Orleans believe he has been the big voice behind all of the very, very bright picks over recent years. So the Saints have a great thing going. They know how to fit the right talent and value of talent into that scheme. And that's why that thing keeps humming. And that's why they're one of the best teams in football year after year. Yeah, I think the Dolphins messed up by letting him go. If we're just being honest, I, I, hindsight's always perfect, but I, I think they messed up. At 10, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Tom Telesco, the most underrated Easily. general manager in Easily. football. The dude just picks good players. And there have been so many picks of his where I'm like, God, I don't really agree with that. And then I'm like, oh, well, shit, he was right. Like, I mean, that happens often with him. And I liked Derwin James, obviously. I liked Uchenna Nuoso, but... You know, he's he's just done a really good job. I think you can even look at that 2017 draft of like, you know, Mike Williams hasn't broken out yet, but that draft really started the idea like we're going to put players around Philip Rivers and we're going to try to make a run at this thing. They've done a great job in free agency as well. Like getting Casey Hayward, who has become an all pro type player uh, for them. It, the Packers didn't want the guy and they've done a, just a fantastic job of finding diamonds in the rough in free agency, in the draft. I mean, that it's really remarkable and they don't get enough credit. I think it hurts them like that. They're kind of they get lost in that division a little bit, but they're always one of the NFL's best teams. They get lost they, in their every own town here. <laughs> yeah, they really do, which is, is sad because this is. One of my favorite teams to watch, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, like putting those two together. Good Lord, they're they're talented, man. This is a very good front office and a good coaching staff to go with it. Speaking of talented, number nine, the Dallas Cowboys. And this is the Will McClay show to me. I think if Will wanted to, he can go be a GM somewhere else. He has not had interest in leaving the Dallas area yet. But he's done such a good job working with the Jones family to get good football players in there. I mean, he really has. And I think... It's going to be tough to see what they end up paying all of these guys. There's going to be a lot of hard decisions made there. But the Dallas Cowboys have turned this roster around where they've added great pieces on the offensive line. They've drafted two wonderful, wonderful young linebackers that just fly around to get to the football. The secondary's added some pieces. We know they can run the football. Now they could throw the ball with a number one wide receiver. 
I love everything Will McClay's done there, and I'm glad that the Jones family puts their trust in him to make the right decisions for that team. Yeah, I, I maybe was low on the Cowboys at 16, but Jerry Jones still scares the shit out of me. And they've held on to Jason Garrett, I think, a little too long. That's fair. Uh, That's a very fair point. At number nine, this is where I have the New Orleans Saints. Um, really, really good front office. Like you Strong. said, Jeff Ireland deserves so much credit here. I know Sean Payton is involved. They know their strengths, man. And their 2017 draft, the Saints 2017 draft, maybe the best draft class. It's definitely the best draft class I've ever covered for a team. It's amazing. Like, it's legendary. I mean, there are some legendary ones of like, you know, the Steelers back in the day. There's some Niners ones with Bill Walsh where you're like, oh, my God, there were some Ravens ones that are really good. That 2017 Saints class, it it's a shame they haven't won a Super Bowl yet. And they've kind of been robbed. Twice. Should have won it last year. Yeah, really should have. I, I hope they make it this year. I love this front office uh, at eight at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're just they're so solid, man. They're just incredibly solid. Kevin Colbert does a great job. I would maybe be higher on them. They seem to they they played the Le'Veon Bell thing wrong and they, they did. played the Antonio Brown thing wrong. I think they're really good at their job because obviously they found both those guys, but it just, you know, they they feel like maybe they're losing their touch a little bit. But then they like then they get Devin Bush in the draft. So this is one of those teams that's like you know, it's like that girlfriend that you're like, gosh, she's a little crazy. I should probably break up with her. And then she like <laughs> cleans your whole house and, you know, like uh, everything's fine. It's like, ah, well, shit, well, keep her around a little bit longer. So that's where I'm at with the Steelers. Eight, I'm with their uh, division rival here, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, holy shit, the Cleveland Browns in the top 10 of a front office list. But they got they got talent here, Matt. I mean, I know you're even higher on them, but John Dorsey. Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith. I mean, they got a trio there that can make football decisions. And we've seen that over the years as they have completely yep. turned over what was an abysmal roster and just have talent across the board. They made the bold move drafting Baker Mayfield. I think it was the right move. They have so much talent at the skill positions. The defensive line is incredible. I love what those three guys can put their brains together to do there in Cleveland and I don't think this group will be together forever. <laughs> they're just too no, good. They are. They're they're really good. Uh, at number seven, this is where I have the Rams. And you had them a little bit lower than this. The reason that I have them higher, I think it's interesting because Les Snead, three years ago, I know people who were like looking at his job. They wanted it. They were like, I I'm going to get that Rams job eventually. And it's like, okay. But I think Les Snead has done a good job of inventing, reinventing himself, of learning to work with Sean McVay. I do think that he needs some, deserves some credit for that, of saying, I'm not doing this right. I would like to say that all the things that went wrong there were Jeff Fisher's fault. And all the things that have gone right since are, are evidence that, it just wasn't working with he and Les Snead. So I think the Rams are good. We don't talk enough about the other people there because everyone gets caught up in how handsome Sean McVay is. But, you know, Kevin Dimoff, the, the COO, does a great job running this team. Les Snead as the general manager. Brian Zanders as, I think he's just a personnel exec. Like, he's going to be a GM one of these days. They have good people there underneath Les Snead who really don't get a lot of attention, a lot of credit. But I'll say this, man. Les Snead hired Sean McVay and he gave Spot Sean on. McVay the power to hire Wade Phillips. So say what you want about less need. He made one of the best head coaching hires since Bill Belichick was hired by the Patriots. And one of the ballsiest yeah. too. I was going to say, didn't he hire Sean McVay when he was 30? Sean was 31 years old and had barely been a coordinator. Does it, how does it make you feel that you're older than Sean? McVay? <laughs> um, 
it's I'm okay with it because he's, uh, he's, he's he's like a, a genius, like a yeah, rare genius. Right. I think about that stuff all the time, like players who I'm the same age of as, course. and it's like they're now they're like getting to the end of their road, and it's like God. I'm just getting started, I hope. So it is a little it's a little weird. Sean McVay's amazing. He's on my my short list of people. That wasn't a short joke. He's on my list of people I would like to have beer with because or yeah, he, have he's on the a podcast. smart guy. It would be amazing. Uh, I, and I'm with you. As low as I was on the Rams, I think they do deserve more credit for making the hire that was Sean McVay. Number seven, like you said, this team made a really good hire. The Chicago Bears, you talked a lot about Ryan Pace, all the great decisions they've made, especially through the draft. Look at the pro side of things with Champ Kelly there. I just think that they've done such a nice job of playing the trade market or signing the right free agents or letting the right guys walk at times. The Bears were a team that were in no man's land not that long ago, to be honest with you. They really were. They were kind of just there. They felt very much like a team like the Bengals, you know, you want to say, or the Titans. And now they're a real player in the NFL, a real big-time player, and that is because they have the right staff in place, and more importantly, they have the right roster in place, and I think when you look at what that group has done, whether it is a guy like Pace, whether it is a guy like Champ Kelly, I think they've just done a great job. I actually had in my notes to talk about Champ Kelly with the Bears, and I got caught up talking about all the players they've acquired, so yeah, they have a good staff underneath there. Number six overall, I have the Kansas City Chiefs here. And I, I liked what you said. You know, we don't really know what to give Brett Veach credit for and what to give John Dorsey credit for and what to give Andy Reid credit for because at one point there were kind of, there's a three-headed monster there. Andy Reid picked Brett Veach. So that says a lot to me about his trust in him. I like how aggressive Veach has been. Not every move has worked, but he has been uber aggressive, you know, trading for Frank Clark, getting Tyron Matthew, letting D Ford, trading D Ford. That was a move that took some courage, letting veterans like Eric Berry and Justin Houston go so that he could bring in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. Uh, Obviously I've, I've been told since before John Dorsey was let go that Brett Veach was Pat Mahomes. Like he was the one screaming at everyone about drafting Pat. When other people liked Trubisky, other people liked Watson. He was the one banging the table for Pat. Now that might just be people now that, you know, Brett's the guy they're, they're banging that. But I'll tell you, I was, I was in New York. I think you were sitting beside me in our old office when I was hearing people say like, Hey, Veach is making a push for Mahomes in Kansas city. So that was before he was even picked. I think they do a great job of working together. I know that some people around the league will hear this and say, well, it's easy to be a good general manager when you have Andy Reid because Andy will say, I need a speed tight end. And Brett will go, here's four of them. Pick one. That's kind of the assumption out there. But I, I think that Veach is, it has a much more powerful hold on this roster than people realize. And, and it's done a good job. And I want to give credit too to Mike Borgonzi, who is uh, he's next. You know, we've we've seen guys leave Kansas City for jobs. Ballard went to Andy, Veach stayed. Borgonzi is going to be the next guy to leave and be a general manager. And listen, I mean, he holds the role that Ballard held there. So it's uh, if you're looking for the right portal yeah. into a GM job, that's a pretty damn good one. I'll go six and five back to back here. Pretty historic, legendary franchises. Six Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought you did a great job summing it up that every time we think they're out, they come right back in and keep on drafting well. And I think one more thing I'll say here, you made a good point that they really struggled with the Le'Veon situation. I've heard some rumblings that the owner was a big problem throughout that, which always puts the front office in a really tough bind. And you look at the Patriots at five here. Normally they'd be at one, two, or three in these kind of sections. I actually really am a big, a bigger fan or bigger believer in Bill Belichick, the coach, than the GM. Now, if you're in the top five, like you're amazing. You're really good. 
But Belichick is the best coach in football and just one of the best GMs. And I think it's amazing that even as much as he does miss sometimes, along with, you know, Nick Casero's in that group, they have a good front office. As much as he misses sometimes in the draft, whether it's because of injuries or just, you know, overdrafting players or making the wrong, you know, trades or free agent moves at times, not often, his coaching makes up for it. And, and that's what's so impressive about how he handles both roles. Yeah, I have the Patriots higher. F5, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. And if we had done this a month ago, they probably would have been number two on my list. But losing Joe Douglas hurts this team. It really does. Now, Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman is like the greatest comeback story in football. The fact that he was, you know, basically, you know, shunned from this front office when Chip Kelly was there makes his triumphant comeback. He has, he probably has the biggest staff in football. I will say, I don't know if folks realize how big the Eagle scouting staff is. We need to get Daniel Jeremiah on to talk about this and many other things, but he has a really, really good staff. Andy Weidel, Andrew Barry, uh, Ian Cunningham, uh, TJ McCrate. These are names that we hear in scouting circles and ownership circles. Great scouting. These lines. guys will be, they'll be GM candidates very, very soon. If they're not already, Howie Roseman is just fantastic. I mean, he's, he sees the game so differently. And if Carson Wentz is healthy, I think they got a shot at another Super Bowl ring this year. The Eagles only number five for me because they just lost Joe Douglas, who was one of the best evaluators in football. If they didn't lose him, Matt, I would have had them number one. Yeah, I, you know, I honestly probably would have, they would have been one or two for me. Number four, this is going to shock some people. And I loved what you said about them at 10. The Chargers, they are the front office that no one talks about. I think they've done almost everything possible to give this team a chance at a title. And unfortunately, they've either caught some bad luck. There's been coaching problems at times, but you talk about what they're working with. And not the best, you know, ownership situation in the NFL. I think they've been a franchise that unfortunately have been given the cheap label at times. They draft talent. I mean, they really do. When you go across the board, even picks like a guy like Desmond King or somebody like Keenan Allen. Of course, Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Uh, Casey Hayward, talk about an absolute home run of a pro side of an addition. Uh, I think this... This front office has done such a good job of what they've had to work with, and and they really deserve more love here. Yeah, and now let's move to number three. Uh, your team at three is our biggest disagreement, so I would like you to go first because your team at three is one that I actually had at 15. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings, and it's so okay. Here's my stance. I think they they have a top three roster in football pretty easily, honestly. I mean... There, every single year we go into the draft and we go, what do the Vikings need? And I think the play for Kirk Cousins, I can't even hate on it because I think they thought they have enough there to get him over the top to be the best version of himself he could be. And it, it didn't work out in year one the way they wanted it to. I think it can work out in years two and three. I like that, you know, there'll still be enough talent there down the line when it comes down to when his contract's up. And I think also you look at, this is about front offices. You said it earlier. I mean, Rick Spielman, of course, he he's great. He really is great at his job. You got George Payton there, though, too. I just think this is a, a group that finds talent on the value scale better than probably anyone. Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. You look at the pieces on defense across the board. I mean, Daniil Hunter, 
they just do it time and time again. And and I think to me, when we make this front office list, as a guy that grew up just loving the scouting process, I think the Vikings have been one of the role models of how to do that. And it's unfortunate that they just haven't been able to once again be one of those teams that can get over that hump. And a lot of it will come back to the Kirk Cousins decision. And if he doesn't tear it up this year, they won't be in my top five. They won't because of that one decision. But when you look at everything else, man, it's impressive. It really is. And I don't want to harp on the Vikings because we'll move on to these other teams. For me, one of the biggest knocks, and I, I just want to talk about this because we're so different on them, their inability to build an offensive line. Now, if Garrett Bradbury and Drew Samia, if that if those picks hit, then yeah, I think they will be back in the top six or seven for me because I like Rick Spielman. I like George Payton and uh, you did a great job highlighting. They found Adam Thielen as a, a college free agent and Stefan Diggs in the fifth round. And it's arguably the best receiver duo in, in the NFL right now. So they've done a really good job scouting number three for me, the Cleveland Browns. You talked about them at, at number eight on your list. I, I think they actually have the best trio. I was talking earlier about triplets. Theirs is the best to have John Dorsey, Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf. That is unfair to the rest of the NFL that they have those guys. Now here's the thing with the Browns. They have gambled because they can, right? Because they're the Browns. They haven't been good in 30 years. They can gamble, but their expectations this year. And if gambles on Odell being in that front office, you know, or being, excuse me, in that locker room on Kareem hunt, uh, they've gambled on Baker Mayfield, who is a fantastic leader, but is pretty brash. Antonio Callaway. They have gambled on a lot of personalities here. And this is a team that I don't know how long you can hold this roster together. So that will be the test here. How long can they hold this roster together with the worst owner in football? That's really the question because they went seven, eight and one last year. They might be a better team this year. If they don't make the playoffs, I think there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. And Oh, by the way, they have a first time head coach who's never really even been a coordinator before in Freddie kitchen. So they, they have made, some amazing ballsy moves that have worked out. They have also made some moves that we kind of got to wait and see how well they play out. But I think you got to give John Dorsey a hell of a lot of credit. No one thought Baker Mayfield was worth the number one overall pick. And they made all of us look foolish with how well he played last year. And, and then they, you know, to be able to execute some of the trades they have to even like to get, you know, to, to get a pass rusher next to miles Garrett via trade, you know, to, to pull in all the players they have, they've found guys like Larry Ogunjobi. They've uncovered really good talent. Uh, I'll be watching to see how that left tackle position holds up and to see if all these personalities can work together. But what they've assembled on paper is really special. I mean, it really is. It goes down the list of just the kind of picks that they have year after year that are outside the first round. I mean, you look at Jannard Avery, another guy that, you know, you talk about all these players that can hit that aren't first rounders. It's, it's really impressive, and I like rolling the dice. You're going for titles, man. I mean, go out and yeah. swing for the fences in the NFL. To wrap up my list here, number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think you did a great job of showing that Howie Roseman needed to keep his guys that could step in after the loss of Joe Douglas, You know, whether that's Cunningham or Weidel. I think keeping both of those guys was a home run move for Philadelphia. Roseman has been such a great forward thinker in the league. Uh, it's a hard to believe this guy was put on the sidelines for Chip Kelly at one point right. in time of things. And the Eagles have a tremendous roster. Like you said, if Carson Wentz comes back healthy this year, they should be in the Super Bowl or at least in the a- NFC title game. Number one, this isn't going to surprise anyone that listens to this show. The Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I mean, Ed Dodds and Chris Ballard are 
the Batman and Robin of scouting in the NFL. They're that good. Uh, they're that good. Ed Dodds should be a GM somewhere. I, I think the desire, I don't know if it's there right now. They have great scouts. They, more importantly, know how to manage them. I think the days of Ryan Grigson's Colts are long gone. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, the Browns are the darlings in the AFC right now. And I think some of that hype should be shined on the Colts for what Ballard has really done there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. At three, I have the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, John Schneider is amazing. Uh, Fitterer and Kirchner, two of his lieutenants, they're both going to be general managers. I, Hell One was almost the Jets general manager. So they they have a very good staff there that has been together a long time, which is one of the keys. Uh, they they Those guys just haven't gotten loose because sometimes the Seahawks make these deep runs in the playoffs. But they their time is coming, and this is a very good front office that works so well with the head coach. I, I think the Seahawks deserve a lot more credit for the fact that they never got bad. Like we kept talking about like, Oh, it's going to fall apart. They got to rebuild. They got to reload this defense. They've never had a losing season with Russell Wilson at quarterback. They reloaded. They did it. They did it on the fly, which is so hard to do without high draft picks, without salary cap flexibility. They did it by just drafting. Well, and, and we'll see if they can keep that up. And number two, I have the new England Patriots, Bill Belichick, Ernie Adams and Nick Casario have their misses and they, some of them are pretty high profile. They don't draft that well. I don't think any team handles free agency better than the Patriots do. And they don't always sign the big name players. They understand the puzzle piece that is a roster better than anyone. And some of that's because you have Belichick and Brady, but they know like, okay, we need a situational pass rusher. Who's 250, 260 can play on the right side can do all these things. Let's go find a guy that's going to cost us one and a half million dollars a year and we'll lure a Super Bowl ring over his head, and it'll work. And it works every time. I don't know how they do it. They just find role players. They're not trying to sign stars. They're signing roles, and it works so well for the Patriots. So they're number one for me, or number two for me, excuse me. Number one, I agree with you completely. It is the Indianapolis Colts. I think if Chris Ballard isn't the best evaluator in football, it's Ed (laughs) Ed Dodds, who's his assistant. So it's like, and if you want to say it's Ed Dodds, well, then I'm going to say Chris Ballard's the next best. And Ballard's... Lack of ego, but his confidence and his intelligence allows him to be an amazing CEO. And I don't know very many people like that, not just in football, in the entire world. Someone who just oozes that poise and confidence and leadership, but has no ego. It's really the perfect combination. And he's a great fit for the Colts. Frank Reich is a great fit for him. And talk about a hell of a job. You say, oh, they lost Josh McDaniels. They, they... On the rush, got hired Frank Reich and got someone better. So I, I think Chris Ballard is just amazing at what he does. We know we ran long on you guys today. This is a fun show. A lot of research, a lot of time went into this. So thank you for hanging out with us. Let us know what we got right. Let us know what we got wrong. The Colts are the best, in our opinion. And it's either the Bucks on my list or 32 for Connor, the New York Giants, the worst. Let us know. iTunes review or tweet us at Stick to Football. We will talk to you all again Friday morning, we'll have a great show planned for you. For Connor, this is Matt. We'll see you soon.